Today, I'm going to be interviewing Tammy, who used to work at this company called JustWorks. And JustWorks is over about a thousand employees right now. And Tammy was actually crucial in launching their product-led motion. And so what was really, really fascinating about this particular episode is how they did it, because they still had a very strong enterprise kind of sales-led motion, but they launched their product-led motion in a way that didn't actually disrupt that. So that was one of the biggest takeaways from this episode that you're gonna learn actually how do you do that, especially if you have a really strong sales-led motion. So if that's you, this is gonna be like gold. If you implement this, you're gonna make a lot more money. <laughs> And it's going to be actually surprisingly easy. So let's get back to it and enjoy the episode with Tammy from JustWorks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. Today, we have a super fun episode. Uh, we have just been chatting, dissecting what we're going to be talking about today. And one thing really cool came up, which is really how to roll out product-led growth at a $10 million plus company. What does that look like? What are some ways you could do it, especially if you already have a successful sales-led model? What do you do? You don't necessarily want to rock the boat too much. So what are some very simple strategies you could use to really test the waters, build a self-serve model, see how that all works without rocking the boat too much? So that's what you're going to learn by the end of this episode. And today I have Tammy, who was actually leading this at the company that we're going to be talking about. And Tammy is also a product leader coach. And so you'll be able to learn more about that at the end. But Tammy, welcome to the Product Lab Podcast. Thanks for having me, Wes. Awesome. So want to give us a little bit of an overview of what that company did that is the case study we're going to dissect today and why in the first place it was kind of like, hey, we should have a self-serve model or something like that for people to get started early on. So uh, the company we're talking about is JustWorks and JustWorks is a what's called a PEO or a professional employment organization, which means through an umbrella organization, they offer payroll and benefits that smaller businesses can buy into. And it had been around for, I think, five or six years when the CEO, Isaac Oates at the time, he recently stepped down, but Isaac said, hey, it's dumb for us to pay sales commissions for some of these smaller businesses. And I believe that these smaller businesses can actually enroll themselves and they can apply to be part of our umbrella, our PEO themselves. And I want to try out a self-service enrollment process. Mm -hmm. I mean, PLG wasn't really a word as much then. <laughs> uh, but And so under his leadership, we were able to create a self-service enrollment process that was used by larger and larger companies over time. And eventually the tools we created were leveraged by the sales team themselves to help their customers or their prospective customers fill out certain paperwork, apply for certain things, get certain quotes in a much more efficient way than they were doing previously because we had provided technology that fueled it. Totally. And one thing I want to highlight here is even from like the CEO itself, it was like, we need to find like a more efficient way 
to do this. It's not even so much about like the commissions. I imagine too, it's like, hey, we're wasting sales resources on some of these accounts that quite frankly, like it's not worth the salesperson's time. And I'm sure that the salespeople are like, yeah, I want to get bigger commissions. (laughs) I want to focus on like bigger accounts than the people with like, let's say under five kind of employees for a company because it's like, that's going to take a while. If it's, it's a like- waste of my time. Absolutely. Like the first ever salesperson was a guy named Ryan. And originally he was a little bit resistant to self-service because he was like, why are you stealing all this business? <laughs> yes. Closing. And after he started closing deals, which were hundreds of employees, he was mm-hmm. like, I just send anybody small to the self-service enrollment because like, that's where they belong. I don't want to waste my time doing that because like, they don't need me. You, to a certain degree, you've replicated me in an online form. Let's do it. You know, like, and that was the other part was that as the product evolved and was able to serve larger and larger customers, mm. we wanted to dedicate qualified salespeople to helping those larger customers see the value in JustWorks. And if they were answering the exact same questions, but for smaller businesses who might go out of business sooner rather than later, you know, there's an LTV CAC ratio issue. Totally. I mean, it's, it's simple SaaS business numbers that we cared about. And through investing in this foundation, eventually this became a very significant part of JustWorks business. Like something around the order of 10% of the clients had mm-hmm. started through self-service, which is amazing. Definitely. Oh, that is super cool. So what I'm going to try and do throughout this quick episode is I'm going to try and highlight the main steps uh, so a company could find the pattern as far as if they're listening to this or they're in the same boat. So the first step here is uh, if you're going to make this and roll it out in your business too, find your compelling reason why. So in this case, a big part of it was like, it's not worth sales time to do this. The second part was like, find that win-win for sales. Don't introduce like product. Like one thing that was actually great about this, <laughs> it wasn't called product led in some ways, because it was like, well, it's just, let's make this more efficient. Let's find that win-win for the sales team. They can't spend their time on some of these smaller deals. It's as quote unquote, dumb. <laughs> no, you fan of that, but it definitely drives the point home. So you have those first two steps. You got the win-win kind of scenario going. Uh, people are starting to get it. What were some of the other steps that like the company took to, to actually make this work? Well, so one of them was that the funnel had to work well. Yeah. When I started, I like created a slide deck about where we were because after finally writing enough SQL to have all of the steps of the funnel, I called it a leaky bucket. And I said, we can't pour marketing dollars into this if we have a leaky bucket. We have to plug some of these holes. We need to improve our conversion rates. And then the sky's the limit. And so we went through each of those big steps and we looked through the user experience and we said, okay, why are people dropping off at this step? And so one of those steps was the first page. Like they would create an account and they wouldn't do anything else. (laughs) And so it was a pretty significant part of the funnel. And what we realized was we started talking to our marketing team and we learned that all of the ads we were putting up said something like, get your free benefits quote, but getting your free benefits quote button on our page was actually below the fold or the very like last step because it wasn't required to join JustWorks to join the benefits program. You only needed to join 
payroll. And so the original process, which was just a matter of like the most important things that were required versus thinking about what was valuable to the customer. And the customer, the prospective customer in this case, what was valuable was getting a benefits quote. And that's what the A-B testing and countless other testing the marketing team had learned. That's what drew people in. And then they'd show up and we weren't actually capturing them. So simply moving the get your free benefits quote to the top of that first page was something like a 25% increase. It was massive. Like that was the most important thing I did. And then we were able to keep plugging the bucket. And we realized that the first page of the get your benefits quote involved a lot of really sensitive information. So we realized there was no logos from our partners on there. We were partnered with big national firms and there was no way of saying that. And JustWorks at the time was very unknown, especially in some of the newer geographies we were expanding to. So adding Aetna and One Medical was key. And then when we eventually revamped the workers' compensation application, having social proof from some of our clientele around how JustWorks really put their mind at ease, again, in line with the marketing messages we were putting out. So I think a lot of what we did that was successful is trying to replicate what was working well for sales and marketing in the actual self-enrollment process as well. Yeah, and what I like at like all of those points too is you're just looking out for the user in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, okay, if you were a user and you clicked on the compensation thing and you got brought to the the payroll thing, it's like, okay, this is different, different expectations. And like, that's clearly a way that's going to like disrupt people and other things like the social proof as far as like, okay, yeah, how much do I trust this? I'm giving a lot of sensitive information. There has to be like a ton of credibility there for the user to like, okay, yeah, yeah. Here's like, even to get like to the credit card moment, it's like, yeah. there's got to be a lot of trust. And so if that's not there, then people are just not going to do it. And I think it that is one of the things that I've always noticed the big difference on in a lot of like sales like companies, it's like you can get away with a lot of less stuff like that because it's like you're building the rapport on the call and that's fine in some ways, but it's also like if you had both, that'd probably be better. <laughs> and yeah. if you had the other version of like people trying it before they buy it, like it just, I would make it work better too. So salespeople are nudging people. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people create a self-service enrollment flow without any nudges in it. Mm -hmm. And that was the original flow. It didn't have someone nudging people along. And so a lot of what we did was we learned from the sales team. When were they nudging people? How were they telling people there were certain deadlines coming up by the, you needed to do this by a certain date in order to get your payroll set up by a certain other date, right? Like that sort of nudging. And we did it via sales loft. We were sending out groups of emails and we were running reports to figure out where were certain customers falling off and what kind of nudge should we send them. And we A-B tested that. And eventually that became an automated email process. But Mm -hmm. before that, like you can't just let people totally fall off, right? Yeah. You need to think about what would a salesperson be doing? And they'd be calling and they'd be emailing and they'd be nudging somebody along. And so think about how you can replicate that in an automated fashion. 
Yes. And I loved, I know we were chatting about this earlier too. You added the self-serve person in Salesforce and that all of a sudden became top competition for everybody else. <laughs> you replicated, you didn't just steal the sales team's best <laughs> wins and <in> playbooks. <laughs> you competed with them in Salesforce. So tell us more about how that kind of worked. <laughs> so when I was first hired at JustWorks, I was hired onto the product team. So yep. I was a product manager slash GM, and I oversaw the self-service product. And then there was a reorg. And what made most sense was for me to join the sales org. And so <laughs> I managed these two junior customer service people who were answering questions to prospects who were part of the self-service funnel and was doing the sales loft stuff we were just talking about. But because I was on the sales team, we realized that self-service actually had you know their own... AE code in Salesforce, and we should be on the leaderboard. And so when we put ourselves on the leaderboard, self-service had probably been around for two years. And immediately, our book of business was top three. And the only people ahead of us had been, were some of the initial salespeople at JustWorks, and they were ahead of us. But over the next few months, we actually outpaced them and had double their book of business. And so they took us off the leaderboard. <laughs> and I want to like double down on that because I think one thing that's super important if you're rolling out a self-serve model is you got to show momentum and just being able to see like, okay, yeah, this thing is working and uh, it's like talking sales in that way as far as like, okay, we got this big book of business and it is working and it has definitely worked to, to generate a browns like that 10% of revenue so far that you know of since you're last there too. So yeah, that's awesome. In, on that note, like with momentum, JustWorks has an all hands on a weekly basis. And the head of finance, a guy named Jonathan Marion, on a monthly basis comes through and like gives the financials, right? Of like what's mm -hmm. happened. And there was always a separate line for self-service. So everybody in the entire company was aware as to how self-service was going. And Marion used to call us his favorite selling robot. <laughs> And like, I would sort of joke that like there had never been an all hands where self-service wasn't mentioned in one way or another, because it was just such a crucial part of what the leadership thought was going to make just work successful. And everybody understood that. Yeah. And I imagine like some people listening are like, okay, how like, did you actually roll this out? I knew we went through that like, kind of like sign up experience because I was like, I'm curious like how this works. So can you walk us through just how it works with the get started enrollment process? Sure. So everybody who learns about JustWorks goes to JustWorks' homepage or some sort of landing page that marketing has brought them to. There's drift chatbots, et cetera. And if you identify yourself as a certain number of employees, you then get put into the self-service funnel. At which point you can create your username and account, you tell us information about your business so that we can start the process of getting you signed up and set up for payroll, as well as getting your benefits quote, qualifying you for workers comp and anything else involved. But you mentioned earlier getting a credit card number at JustWorks, you have to provide an ACH number. Mm-hmm. And so like that was one of the last steps in our funnel where there was drop off <laughs> yeah. and even improving that flow through Plaid and otherwise, because Plaid was so much faster, but not enough people fully understood it. And mm -hmm. so like making that and showing to the customer that there was this benefit of them using Plaid instead of waiting for two, three cents uh, 
out <laughs> deposits into their bank account and coming back and forth, right? Like all of those things needed nudges and they needed better information to encourage someone along. And we just kept making that funnel better and better. We kept making every step and conversion better and better. And we kept figuring out how to automate more and how to introduce the human touch where necessary, but in a scalable fashion. So one of the things I introduced was I mentioned there were these two customer service people who were answering questions from prospects. We also created a weekly demo. So on Friday at 10 a.m., you could sign up and get a demo because that's the sort of thing our salespeople would do. And eventually we knew we were going to record the demo and you could just watch it via Pendo on a video on your thing. But that nature of how can we replicate certain things but make them much more efficient mm-hmm. and more group-oriented was everything we did. Definitely. And one thing I, I love about that whole strategy with like the getting started, like picking the number of employees is because it was like you were already doing that as part of the process for the sign up. And then it was like, we're actually just going to take these ones. If we can agree with sales, like under five employees, if that's okay, like we're going to make those ones the self-serve kind of model. And they're like, well, that makes sense because quote unquote, <laughs> CEO's quote, it's dumb <laughs> to do sales commission. <laughs> Sorry, I'm too much fun. Yeah. Um, but it's true. I mean, like, if you're that small, I think for some of those products, it's like maybe like top, what do you think, $60 a month or something like that for an employee. So it's got like 60 times five or something well, like that. It's $99 a month. But okay. yeah. like JustWorks thesis was, we really want to help these companies. No one else is helping these companies because it's not cost-effective. So if we can Mm -hmm. make it cost-effective and they use our tools, they will grow with confidence. So we wanted to serve this group. We just needed to figure out the economics of how we could serve them. Absolutely. And so there was this flip side of not, we don't care about these people like a lot of the other PEOs that were out there. We cared about those people. We wanted to serve them. We wanted Mm -hmm. to help them grow, but we needed it to be efficient for our business because otherwise we would go out of business and we couldn't help them. Yes. And we're running businesses, not (laughs) nonprofits. It's a difference. So I love that because it's like, yeah, the emphasis was like, we do still want to serve these people and everything else. That's obviously like why you'd want to do this. But yeah, just making it work is the big piece because a lot of the companies that are going down market, they start to realize like, oh man, like our level of service we can't do it at that price point. And then long behold, what often happens is like there's that low cost kind of competitor comes in, swoops up all that like small, medium-sized businesses and like, and then they go up marketing, start layering on more services. So it's definitely harder to create that level of service. But what I loved that you did is you basically kind of spotted the patterns, like whether it was through the customer service or the sales, and you tried to identify like, hey, you're doing a lot of those demos or, hey, you're doing a lot of these nudges. Like, what are those things that work best? And you get to monitor it, see it. And then you just manufactured a robot. <laughs> you built a robot, Tammy. Literally <laughs> manufactured a robot with lots and lots of testing. Yes. Right? And that's, I think, something else that's really key to PLG mm-hmm. is being able to say like, We have certain hypotheses around what we think will resonate with this group of people who can actually get through the flow by themselves, right? And they're actually excited to do it because 
the smallest business owners for the people who are doing this at their kitchen table at 11 o'clock at night when a salesperson couldn't even talk to them, right? Mm -hmm. So to a certain degree, we were serving them exactly the way they wanted to be served. Yeah. But they had lots of questions still, right? Because this is, you also have to remember the high stakes here. You're talking about payroll and benefits, the promises you give to your employees that you're going to pay them and that they can go to the doctor and be healthy, right? These are key things that is your promise as an employer that you're entrusting JustWorks to do. So we respected that. And we wanted to make sure that you felt confident using us and that by using us, you would only be more confident in growing your business. Totally. I always remember uh, one of our former like head of operations at Product Lead, she always used to reference like payroll is actually the most important process in the entire business. And like, I never thought of it that way, but I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is at the end of the day. If you don't pay payroll, you're bankrupt. Yeah. If you totally. do not pay your payroll, you're a bankrupt. Absolutely. Definition. So like we had to make sure we did this stuff right. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So I've got, I'll do a quick recap here and I want you as I'm kind of going through it, see if there was any other big major steps that you did to really roll out the self-serve model. So the first one we talked about is find that compelling reason. And then the second part is like finds, like what is that win-win, especially for sales in this case. And then three, you went through, tried to find like, what is that leaky bucket? What are some of those quick wins we could do early on to showcase like, hey, we're like looking out for the user, we're seeing, identifying some of those potential opportunities for what you did was really just like trying to identify what is working like with that level of service that the sales team had with the customer service. You tried to spot like what is actually working, what is driving the results. And then you tried to, to model that to see if you could replicate it. And five, you just built the momentum, whether it was in the Salesforce instance of showcasing, hey, self-service beating everybody or some of the other things in the weekly all hands. And then six, you built a robot. <laughs> <laughs> an invincible product-led robot. So there you go. So I would say that one for self-service and one for sales, there are two things that I think are worth talking about. Yep. One is, is optimizing systems that may need to ask the question, why do they exist? So mm -hmm. a lot of our effort actually involved going through the workers' compensation application and streamlining it. We worked closely with the underwriting team to figure out which questions were actually needed, which could be understood based on other answers to other questions, which questions meant that they were actually disqualified mm -hmm. from being part of it so that they someone didn't feel like they spent 20 minutes filling out an application that didn't go anywhere. Totally. And we really streamlined how to get to yes or no quickly which helped their team be more efficient, right? So the, again, win-win, what was in it for them? Mm -hmm. They needed to be investing their time in the more complicated workers' comp stuff of the larger companies we were trying to land. And it was like, okay, how do we make this better for you by asking the right questions up front mm -hmm. that there were less loops? But also, how do we minimize the number of questions that are actually necessary? And eventually that, so then that was something we did and it helped everybody. But the nature of, what we did there, as well as what we ended up doing with the benefits application, was we made it such a pleasant experience online and such an efficient way for the data to be captured from the prospective customer and sent to the underwriting team or the benefits underwriting team that it then became a rule that sales had to use that with their prospects. 
mm-hmm. because it was actually, you'd get a faster response. And so our efficiencies ended up making sales more efficient too, because they could get a benefits quote within a few hours instead of waiting days. And they can get a workers' comp approval again within hours instead of waiting days or potentially weeks. And the nature of being able to say, we were contributing to the overall sales team and not only self-service really helped the rapport between the two teams. Definitely. And one other kind of thing, I'm not sure if you noticed it there as well too, but typically when there is an easy model for some of those businesses to get started, when they do eventually talk to sales, it's a lot easier to close them because they're like, I actually understand what this can do. I just had a few questions about these things, or maybe I need to build like the business case or something like that. And it's like, yeah, of course, like this is easy. (laughs) Like we're happy to help you. So yeah, thanks for reaching out kind of thing. So yeah, it does make everybody more efficient for sure. Yeah. And to a certain degree, I think these flows existed like after I left. If someone wasn't moving their way enough through the funnel, we passed them on as leads to sales Mm -hmm. for them to, whether it was a BDR that reached out or something else, because that's another drop out of the bucket, right? So where else can you recapture these prospective customers who are interested in your product and get them in? Definitely. Now, if you were to like... I mean, everything you know now, time machine, you go back. What is like the one or two things you might do differently? Number one is I would have very clear metrics for what we thought was successful. So Mm -hmm. I told the story once at a UX conference, but when we added the Aetna logo, we looked at the conversion on that page and it actually went down overall. Hmm. Like we had an AB test running and we thought, oh, that's a bad thing. But what we realized was actually it was geographically dependent. So Aetna had a very strong brand in certain places and not as strong in others. And that's okay, right? Like they knew where they were strongest. Mm -hmm. And the customers that did convert and saw Aetna actually overall for the whole funnel converted better. (laughs) And so we learned that being transparent about it was actually good for the overall funnel if that had been the metric we were looking at. So thinking about knowing what is most important and not necessarily thinking that every small piece of the puzzle is important, but being very clear, we wanted from start to finish to improve our conversion rate, not on an individual page. And to a certain degree, that actually helped with the nature of being able to say to the benefits team, hey, we need another partner for other geographies. And JustWorks created new partnerships with new benefits providers for other geographies that were stronger in places that Aetna was not. And that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. But our data helped prove that that it was no longer anecdotal from the sales team saying, hey, in XYZ city or state, the people say Aetna isn't what they're looking for. They're looking for Kaiser. They're looking for UHC or whatever else. We were able to say, we've got data to prove it. And that was fuel to the fire. Yeah. And I think that's definitely like, uh, maybe you'll agree, disagree, but like, I think that way of thinking is super important and underrated where it's like the ability for anybody to think macro and then micro, <laughs> just like Mac, macro and microeconomics it is like super important, especially in business, because it's like, yeah, okay, we like converted this, like we improved it. And if you're just looking at like that landing page or something like, wow, we're making great progress here. And 
<laughs> and you're looking at like the sales are the conversion at the end. You're like, wow, nothing's working. And it's like, yeah, clearly like black and white examples like that is like no duh. But like in everyday kind of examples, it's not always as like black and white. So it is important to always kind of like zoom out, zoom in, zoom out, zoom in as you go through and try and understand like where are those leaks in the bucket. Yeah. And then just making sure everyone knows about it. Something else that I did later was really treating those two CS people like a sales team. We had thermometers going of like our goals and things like that. They eventually got commission, et cetera, right? Because they deserved it. They were doing sales-esque things. And so I think that if you recognize that even if it's PLG, it is still a sale and you're replicating certain things, that also might need to be in the compensation of the people, right? Yeah. And the alignment of where they are, because that's what ended up working, was recognizing that this person wasn't a customer service representative. They were actually a junior salesperson who was dealing with a particular market. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, maybe if you could double down on that as far as, like, what that looked like, because I know, like, I've been had like a couple of scenarios too, where it's like, I'll use the product. And then it's like, Hey, what do you like? Like a free kind of forget how they position it. It was, it was smart. Like, do you need help with that? Or something like that? I was setting up like a, this integration or something like that. I was like, mm-hmm. actually, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> and they were a technical salesperson and they just helped me kind of set it up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm upgrading <laughs> now that I see the value kind of thing, because I got stuck at this one part. So I'm curious how it worked in your kind of example of those customer service reps, if they were like more technical or how that worked. It was more like someone would email and ask a question. Totally. <laughs> like, hey, like, do you do this kind of payroll? Do you do that kind of payroll? Right? Like, I haven't gotten my benefits quote. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but more than anything, they became the people who were doing this nudging stuff. And so when they were nudging, people would then reply oh, I didn't realize there was this deadline or, hey, can we walk through my benefits quote with me? And so similar to the demo, we actually had a weekly, like, learn about your benefits quote. Like, this is what the pieces of it are. Because a lot of small business owners had never looked at a benefits quote before. And so, so much of that is ingrained in the ethos of JustWorks of caring about helping small businesses thrive and grow with confidence. Mm -hmm. And so by saying self-service isn't us leaving people in in like the dark to do things themselves, but saying this is something we're dedicated to as a company, as part of who we want to be in the small business community, mm-hmm. we were able to say, okay, what does that mean to help an entrepreneur feel confident in choosing us? Totally. That's awesome. And as we kind of wrap up too, I'd love to learn more just about like, where can people learn more about what you're up to? Since I know you're doing a lot more like product leadership coaching right now. So a few years ago, I decided I didn't want to be in-house anymore. And uh, I've been doing what I call product leadership coaching, which means I do executive coaching for up-and-coming product leaders or new product leaders, help them do fantastic at their job, which is a little bit of executive presence, but also being a good sounding board for strategy and org design and otherwise. Because as you get higher and higher in your career, your boss is not somebody you can turn to for advice, especially when your boss is the CEO and they haven't necessarily been ahead of product. And so I help people along with that. And sometimes I'm helping them with PLG initiatives and sometimes I'm helping them with other growth initiatives, but I help people explore how to do their jobs. Awesome. 
Well, thanks for sharing that. And I guess they can find you on social media, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I am Tammy Reese everywhere. T-A-M-I-R-E-I-S-S. You can find me on LinkedIn. I recently killed my Twitter account, but LinkedIn's probably best. And TammyReese.com or ProductLeaderCoach.com will send you to the exact same place. Cool. That's awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Tammy. Thanks, Wes. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, We will definitely create more content just like this episode. And if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.